0: Jacket on. I brought it all the way here, so you have to see it here. <clears throat> we uh, we made the comment earlier that you can't outgive God. That um, no matter how much you commit to a life of generosity. If you really feel God leading you to just open yourself up and give and give generously and you're doing it obediently, you'll, you'll never have want in your life. He'll just keep supplying your need and as you keep being obedient and giving and it's just sort of a, this wonderful sense of no matter how much you give, you always have enough. Um, I really need to say from the bottom of my heart, that's, that has been my experience here over the last couple of days. Um, I came to... to to bring you lots of stuff that i prepared and and uh you know six seven eight hours of, of sharing with you all the, all that god's been putting on my heart but no matter how much i pour out no matter how much i talk no matter how much i share with you and i think you get a sense that this is a joy of my heart i mean this is an opportunity for me just to connect with what, what god's been doing in my life no matter how much i do that you have been you've just been pouring back into me And, you know, from the prayer time to the conversations we've had around the back to just the entire experience, um, I I can't give you enough that I'm not going to leave here feeling more full um, than anything I could expect from you. So thank you. Thank you for this chance to be together and for the share, to get to know you, to know what God's doing in your life, um, and this chance to just uh, walk this journey together with you. It's been an incredible blessing to me. So, again, thank you for for the opportunity to be here and to do this. Okay, so let's take it home. when I, I mentioned uh, earlier, I think last night that um, i was I was in my office one day trying to figure out a, a structure to put all of this together, that's something that people could just get their hands on and grab a hold of, and this idea of these seven keys and the seven chains and the bondages and being released to be free, and that the whole thing, just in a matter of probably ten minutes, just kind of came, kind of pouring into me, and as I sat down then and began laying it out and sketching it out as fast as I could, the first six just came really quickly. I mean, from owner to steward is where it starts, from two kingdom to one kingdom living is the whole core of it. And then each of these four spheres, our relationship with God, with ourself, with our neighbor, and with creation, they just, they just poured out of me. And I got done, and I had six. And I started, uh-oh. Because <laughs> six isn't a great number, by the way. You don't really want to end with six. And I really felt God put this on my heart about, about seven keys. God, going to be about seven keys, seven bondages. And I, I remember distinctly sitting in my office going, so what's the seventh, Lord? We haven't really haven't developed this. And he laid kind of this, this, this message on my heart that this journey is not only about what God is doing in us and doing through us, but he sets us free, not just so we can walk around thinking how great it is to be set free. He sets us free and gives us the command to go out into the world And to set other people free. And I remember the sense, the seventh key, the first six keys are ones we use to unlock locks, to drop off chains. The seventh key, my friends, is the one we give away. It's the one we carry with us. And when we come across somebody who we see is in bondage, we give this key away and we say, there's a life of freedom that God has for you. I'm experiencing a little bit of it. I'm not there yet, but I'd love to tell you about my journey. It's the the attitude of going into the world and being used by God to bring freedom to the people around us. That really is the essence of the seventh key. Now, as maybe easy as that is to say, we also realize that, that bondage is the hallmark of the enemy. That is what the enemy wants. He wants, his, he wants people in bondage. You see, I, I believe that he knows he's not going to steal our salvation. Isn't that right? He's not going to steal our salvation. He's not going to get us to deny Christ and walk away. If he can't get us to be unfaithful, he can at least get us to be ineffective. See? If he can't get us to be unfaithful and walk away, he can at least render us totally impotent to be really any kind of a warrior in the kingdom of God. And that's where I think all these chains come from. He puts us on us and binds us up, and we are out there just flailing around, trying to figure out how we can really live the life that God has for us. And so as these chains drop, and all of a sudden we realize this newfound freedom, we all of a sudden can be used by God in these incredible, powerful ways, and he hates it. And so when we talk about this seventh key and the one we give away, the one that we go out into the world and share with other people, we need to realize here as much as anywhere else that we are now entering into the battle of our lives. We're entering into the battle of our lives. It's a great battle. It's a great place to be. It's exactly where we should be is in the middle of this battle, but we've got to take it seriously. And so when I talk about the seventh key, it's all wrapped up in this idea that, um, that it's given to us that we can unlock the shackles of fear and apathy. Fear means I don't really want to give this away. I want to keep it to myself. Apathy renders us back to saying there's really not a lot that I can do. He hasn't brought us this far on our journey to have us just hold this all into ourselves. So once again, we're going to talk about entering the battle and unlocking the shackles of fear and apathy and as we do we're going to use a little bit of warrior mentality if that's okay because we're in the battle of our lives I want you to recognize that we're in the battle of our lives and we need to reclaim I believe in the church this theology of spiritual warfare I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that not all denominations carry this real strongly um, but if, if the enemy can get us to not believe we're in a battle, then he's already won the battle. So we reclaim this, and a friend of mine t- turned me on to this, and I just think he's so absolutely right. When you look at Scripture, from beginning to end, it is a history of warfare. And I never really realized it. The, the, I have a friend who re- co-writes some stuff with me who's a, a former Marine who's been, who's in Vietnam and in Iraq and all the rest of that. He thinks through the mindset of warfare. And he said, Scott, the entire scripture is warfare. Think about it. There was warfare before the garden. We know that before God said, let there be light, there was already had been warfare because we know that the whole warfare between, you know, the fall of Lucifer and, and, and all of that had already taken place. There's warfare before creation. There's warfare in the garden, Adam and Eve. There's warfare after the garden. The entire Old Testament, isn't it filled with warfare? Have you read First and 2 Kings and 1 and 2nd Chronicles. It's amazing. Spiritual warfare, physical warfare, it's all filled with it. There was warfare uh, in Christ in the first days of his ministry. It amazes me that, you know, there, um, the warfare started with, with the wise men wanting to come and Herod trying to turn them away. There was warfare when, when he sends soldiers in to kill every, every boy two years old or younger. I mean, Jesus was born in the midst of warfare and bloodshed. It's pretty thick there. There was warfare throughout Christ's ministry. Sometime read through Matthew and look at how many times he confronted the enemy and drew out demons. Everywhere he went, demons were crying out. There was warfare in every step that Jesus took on the face of this earth. There was warfare in Gethsemane. If you remember, you've probably seen The Passion of the Christ, haven't you? I just, I just think that's such an incredibly powerful movie. If you haven't seen it, really encourage you to Take a very deep breath and sit down. We watch it every Good Friday. We put it on and we just live into that again. But if you watch that scene, the scene that opens up with Jesus in Gethsemane and the warfare is just thick. The enemy is walking around talking and whispering to him and he's just in agony. There's warfare in Gethsemane. There was warfare on the cross. There was warfare in the resurrection. There was warfare in the establishment of the church. If you go through the book of Acts, it's a whole study of the enemy and the warfare, of how the church was trying to emerge out of all this. There's warfare throughout the history of the church. There's warfare today. And if you read the book of Revelation, what's it about? It's all about warfare, isn't it? From Armageddon to the beast to the final victory, we have a history of warfare. So we might as well take seriously the fact that as God's people living on this earth, we're going to be engaged in this great battle that has been fought for us, won for us, and now God invites us to come along and be a part of it. The other thing that my friend helped me to see, you know, Jesus has this wonderful proclamation, right? He says says to Peter, on you I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said to me, Scott, the reason Jesus said that is because he knew the gates of hell will try, but they won't prevail. And every day, the gates of hell are trying to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ on this earth. And Jesus gives us a promise, it won't happen, but don't believe we're not in a warfare. To do that, to be in this warfare, I think we need to understand the enemy and his tactics. Some of the things we know. He's a liar and a deceiver, right? That's his M.O. Take the truth and skew it. Take what's good and move it five degrees to where it's not so good anymore constantly taking the good things that God gave us and making them not 180 degrees opposite but just enough to get us off track. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a roaring lion that attacks and devours. He is the thief that steals and destroys. You know, we all know the beautiful verse out of John where it says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We quote that all the time, don't we? I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Do you know the verse that comes before it? The thief comes to steal and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. There's the warfare, isn't it? There's the warfare. He also masquerades as the prince of this world and even as light. You know, there's four, I may not remember what these are now, so I better be careful. There are four different phrases, and four different terms in Scripture that are both used for Jesus and for the enemy. Um, I believe it's light. I believe it's morning star. I believe it's, oh, boy, there's two other ones. I can't remember what they are now, but I, did, I saw a study on this one time. And all that says is that whatever Jesus was, the enemy comes behind it and wants to claim that right for himself and skew it for us. We've got to understand the enemy comes dressed as an angel in light. We have to understand his tactics. And claim the victory that we already have in Christ. The great thing about this battle, as we said, is that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus had these great phrases, didn't he? After he sent the, they sent him out two by two, and they came back and reported what all had happened, he said, well, let me tell you, while you were out there doing all these things, let me tell you, where I was standing, I saw Satan falling like lightning from the sky. That's the power that we have. When we are sent out in the name of Jesus to proclaim freedom with this new key, we see Satan falling like lightning from the sky. The victory's already been won. And this wonderful thing, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So hold fast to the freedom that we've already won. The, my, my biggest prayer for each of you as you go from this place, if you have really sensed in these last day and a half some freedom in some really important ways my prayer is that you just leave those chains on the floor don't pick them up again don't let the enemy have you restrap them on and put them on again and burden yourself again you have a victory, you've won some ground, hold fast to it this wonderful verse again remember um, the invitation it is for freedom that you have been set free do not let yourselves be burdened again under this yoke of slavery so, enjoying the battle. You've been called now to take what God has given you and to go through those doors out into the world, into your community, into your church, into your work of, place of business, and let the Holy Spirit open your eyes to the people around you who are in bondage and who need a word of freedom. And be, be courageous. When you do, you, you're going to be in a battle. You ready to enjoin it? You ready to take it on? you ready to say, this is the Lord's battle. The victory's already been won. Use me, God, in any way you would. I'm ready to go. That's the seventh key. Tell your story. Spread the news. The seventh key is to be a warrior for the kingdom of God. It is a freedom to be used by God to set other people free. And I really believe that that's our calling on this earth. If we do nothing else the rest of our lives, let us be committed to the task of being used by God to pronounce a word of freedom in a world in bondage. What a great way to live. What a great way to live. So, back to where we started. Our backpacker looking off into the distance in this journey of the faithful steward. What are the next steps that we might take? For you, what are the next steps in the process of moving from your current understanding of stewardship and your leadership practices to embracing the call to be transformed into a godly steward and take up the mantle of the steward leader. Kind of all about next steps, isn't it? Where do we go from here? What do we do from here? I'm going to ask about your vision. And, and to do this, we're going to use our, our booklet. What is your vision? How do you see yourself as a steward leader come back so what I'm going to ask you to do is to take a few minutes and turn to the last 2-3 pages here I think without my glasses on this is page 24 of 26 everybody there? 24 of 26 and I'm going to give you about 10 minutes quiet time. We're going to play the piano. Yeah. Now we're going to have a little piano music to soothe our soul. And I'd like to have you fill out just just one short word or phrase underneath each one of these commitments. What are you committing to today to take the first step of moving from steward to owner of being a one kingdom person, of having deeper intimacy with God? of having your self-image solely in Christ, of being present with your neighbor, of being a steward of creation, and, use, and being used by God to set other people free. Can you do that? Take about 10 minutes and make a commitment between you and God in each one of these areas. Write down a few words underneath each one of them. as you uh, take a couple more minutes to finish up what I'd like to have you do is look through your list of commitments and I want you to just come up with one word just one word that you can pull out of your commitments that might typify what that means for you just, just a word okay? can you do that And we're going to show that in a minute so take another couple minutes and finish up Okay. if you have finished your uh, commitment phrases on here if you haven't quite got through you can finish up when you get home but hopefully you're able to work your way most of the way through these Um, one word is there a word that you pulled out of it that can kind of synthesize for you what your commitments look like words what are they yell them out shout them out trust ownership Gage, keep going. Show them out. Thank you. Good. What else? Words. And others. well how I'd like to close is with a bit of a commemoration of what you've written down um, so I'm going to ask you to stand and I want you to take this in your hand everybody have yours and I want you to lift it up okay and let's, let's pray together keep it lifted up Gracious Lord, written in this paper is my commitment. You've been with us since the beginning. We invited you in this room from the beginning of this process. You have filled this room with the power of your Holy Spirit through song, through prayer, through words spoken, through discussion, through private thoughts. We invited you here and you filled this room, Lord, and you have guided and directed us. And now, as a result, as we stand at the end of this time together, this is the result, Lord, of what you have put on our heart. These commitments symbolize, Lord, the contours of the life that we desire to live for you because we believe it's the desire of the life you want us to live. And so, Lord, our commitment to no longer be the owner in our life but to be stewards to no longer be the kings and queens of our own little kingdoms, but to step off our throne and to become one kingdom people, to stop, Lord, the doing in our life and become the people that will thirst after intimacy and abiding in you, that will not be distracted, Lord, by the words of the enemy, but will keep our identity focused solely in you, that will help us see our neighbor, Lord, on that journey, and a passion for loving them along that journey that will give us the heart of one that nurtures and cares for our time our talents our resources in this creation and for the courage Lord the passion and the vision to go out into this world and to be warriors for your kingdom Lord that through us you might set others free on these pages Lord we write these commitments and we now commit them back to you fill us Move us, give us all that we need, Lord, that this may become the reality of the people that we will be in the days, the weeks, the months, and the years ahead. This is a symbol, Lord, of our freedom, and you came to set us free. We pray a prayer of of praise and thanks and joy and gratitude to you, Lord, the great Emancipator. And it is in your name we lay these commitments out and give our hearts fully surrendered back to you in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.